What's up, guys? We got another edition of the Got Next podcast this week. We go over some more signings that occurred, uh, mm-hmm. some buyouts and some extensions. Uh, one extension, actually. And then we deep yeah. dive into our team of the week, our beloved, well, that, that hurts to say, Boston Celtics. You are the worst Lakers fan. <laughs> You, your, your two teams are the LA Lakers and the Boston Celtics. That feels dirty. It feels wrong, but... But in fairness, kid, you liked the went, Lakers first before you went to school in Boston. I didn't, yeah. yeah. So, it's not for nothing. <laughs> you just <It's>, suck. <laughs> Worst <laughs> Lakers fan. I'll, I'll, I'll take that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, but anyway, my name is Carlos... Joined as always by my trusty co-host Rafa. What's up? Welcome to the Got Celts podcast. No, that was terrible. <laughs> Come on. No. Got Celts. Got Celts. Stop got it. C's, got C's stop podcast. It. No, stop it. <laughs> oh my god. All right, to kick off. Uh, new NBA news. Drew Holiday signs a... Is this a max extension? If it's not the max, it's a close to max. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Well, he signs a pretty hefty extension. Four years, $160 million. So, very, very hefty price for the Bucks to pay, but he has delivered for them this year. So, congratulations, Drew Holiday, for earning your, earning your keep. That's awesome. Congrats to the Bucks as well. I mean, yeah. they got this is a risk, right? That they he would just leave at the end of the season, but they extended sure. him. Yeah, well, they've they've loved what he's brought to the team. So as as have I, um, I think he's going to be huge for them in the playoffs. Um, I think I caught wind of the of Bucks Twitter recently though, and they were like, "Well, we did this with Eric Bledsoe a couple years ago. Like we signed him to an extension, and we wanted to get rid of him almost immediately." <laughs> well. This guy isn't like Bledsoe. He's, he's better than Bledsoe. <laughs> yeah. He's, he's a little bit better of a player than Bledsoe. So I don't think, at least it looks like you're not going to regret this. I'll say that. I, I can't predict the future, but Drew Holiday's been balling for the Bucks. Yeah, we can't anymore say that the Bucks front office is going cheap, basically. No, like, no. They're going all in. Like, that's a criticism, right? With after they didn't, mm-hmm. they let go of Brogdon, but. Yeah, this, yeah. This indication that they're going, they're they're going, going for all it. In. Yep. yep. All right. Next piece of news: um, Ben McLemore signs with the Lakers for the rest of the season. Um, yes. Basically, I I'm gonna take credit for this because not not <laughs> with Ben McLemore signing, but I called this because as soon as he was waived by Houston, I was like, if I'm the Lakers, I'm giving him a call right now, and there we go. He's a Laker, which I think is a really good addition for them because he is a 40% three-point shooter when he's at his best. So I, I don't know how much – he's not the best defender, but I mean, the, if the, the Lakers in the last 10 games since LeBron's been out and without AD is still a top three defense in NBA, they'll be fine. Yeah, yeah. Which is crazy to think about. Yeah, it just gives them more bench depth, which is good. Yeah, they need they need someone who can come off screens. Yeah, I mean, Wes Matthews 
it's gonna be like that. Kuzma, yeah. Kuzma can, but he just he's just not a good shooter, not as good a shooter. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah. So. I mean, shooter. Yeah, they, these guys are on ball more. So, as a Lakers fan, do you like this move? I mean, worst case is he's not gonna play. Best yeah. case scenario is he's making big shots in the playoffs. There you go. So. <laughs> Yeah, for sure. I like the move. I like the move. Yeah, it's a good move. Next, uh, the Heat signed Dwayne Dedman. Dwayne Dedman. Yeah, I was like, well, how did it take this long for someone to sign him? I think Dedman is going to provide some good stuff for the Heat. Uh, he He's a kind of a pop big. He can, of course, pop out to the three and pick and pop. But I, I seem to remember he has some – I don't say he has a ton of – vertical spacing and lob gravity but he can he can catch a couple of lobs so i think yeah you know what i think this is i think some of this is precious achua insurance <laughs> if he gets injured not if he gets injured but because like achua i like him a lot he's a good rookie i think he'll be on the all rookie second team he's very good um but you know in the playoffs he may just make a couple of mistakes here and there and i've seen I've seen flashes of him be really, really good, but I've also seen him miss a couple of defensive assignments, you know, and which is, which is yeah, standard for a rookie. So this is probably insurance for that because they, when Bam Adebayo comes off the floor, they miss the things he does. He, he, ha, he definitely has vertical spacing, but he also has on-ball skill. So they like to replicate some of that, I'm sure, with Dwayne Dedman. And not lose out on the defensive end because I mean their other centers are him, Deadman, and Achua. I think I'm missing one more, but I mean they traded Myers Leonard. I don't think like, I think okay. that was the only other center on the team. Mm-hmm. So they just needed. I think they needed some precious Achua insurance. So I like I like signing. the signing for them. Good signing. Yeah, yeah. I mean he's just gonna be a bench player at the end of the day, but. Yeah, good signing. Uh, yeah, it doesn't matter. It's it's good depth. Um, yeah. Well, speaking of depth, the Blazers have signed Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Yes. I like that signing a lot. I was surprised that he wasn't on a roster, to be honest with you. He had a good run for the Raptors last year. Yeah, I don't know. Like, was he just not playing for the whole year? I actually didn't yeah, know. Yeah, he wasn't. <laughs> no. Which is quite surprising. Mm-hmm. You know who really could have used them? The LA Clippers. Mm. He, yeah. gets to, he, he gets to the basket, and the Clippers are <laughs> dead last. I looked this up last night. They are dead last in layups. Wow. I did not know that. That's they, actually... They are cool. last in layups. So this is why, just to get slightly off topic, um, why everyone was like, oh, the, Lakers need a, or the Clippers need a point guard. It's a point guard. They need playmaking. And I've never really seen any evidence pointing towards that but there's some evidence like no they they need someone to get to the basket it just so happens that they have like every other position filled so it's less of the point guard more of a, a rim attacker uh, like a they need like a they need an archetype of that archetype of a player exactly rim attacking point guard they need a slasher they don't need a hmm. they don't necessarily need a, a point guard because Kawhi and Paul George are going to have the ball anyway why would you have a point guard set them up yeah, I mean, so I think the Rondé Hollis Jefferson for the Blazers, just adding more offense, more depth, more rim attacking, and he's a good defender too. He's a very switchable yeah. defender. So 
I think this is an excellent signing for the Blazers. I like it a lot. I haven't watched a lot of Rondé Hollis Jefferson. Is he like better on the ball than say Rocco or who else? Yeah. Who's the other wing? Uh, in terms of offense, defense, defense, defense. I would say yeah, a little better on ball than Rocco. Rocco is not the strongest on ball defender. That's what I was thinking. Yeah. Yeah. So, th- I guess this is more on ball defense. Um, but this, honestly, this is probably slightly more of an offensive thing because Hollis Jefferson's not going to fix the broken Blazers defense. He's just not. Yeah. If Derek Jones and Rocco couldn't, I mean, Nurkic, adding Nurkic back might, but you know, we'll see. And, no, it's playing lineups with Melo and Inis Cantor together. <laughs> they got cooked by Good the point. Jazz Good yesterday. Point. Yeah, <laughs> or was that did. two days ago? <laughs> yeah, they did. Yeah. Um, so we'll see. I mean, in terms of the Blazer signing, I like, I like this a lot. It's a, it's a good signing. And I think with all their players back and hopefully they're starting to get healthy again, the Blazers are a team to watch out for. Because if they've been this good without a good defense, imagine what happens if their defense starts to ramp up. It'll be dangerous. Yep. There'll be, be like no team. None of the top seeds want to face them in the first round. Especially Dame in the clutch. <laughs> Man. No, no question. All right. Last piece of uh, new NBA news is that KD returned versus New Orleans, which is awesome. But yeah, Harden. How do you think he looked? Oh, he looked great. <laughs> Harden hasn't played. Harden didn't play. KD looked really good. I'm glad he that he really hasn't good. really missed a step. And honestly, is that break maybe it was a little too long to for for the point I'm about to make, but I think he needed that rest because if you think about it, he hasn't played a full NBA season, and you know took a, it. This was his first season back, and it's just a reduced schedule with a ton of games. So I think but, the break was good for him. He'll come back fresh. Is there enough time for him to get back into game shape? Do you think? I think so. Um, I mean, it's like what a month, and a, half, a month and a half. Yeah, I think so. I mean, it really helps that he has a the luxury of a really good team. But having said that, Harden is out again, well, not mm. again, but out with a hamstring strain. Same thing, KD was out for. So I'm wondering if Harden kind of went a little too hard. He went a little too hard. Go went a little too hard. <laughs> But um, no, but like because Kyrie had missed some time and of course KD missed an extended period. So Harden had to carry that offense a little bit. And there was MVP buzz and, you know, it it, it low-key was almost like how he was playing in Houston. Yeah. I mean, it was like him and a bunch of... Yeah, to a degree. A bunch of role players. (laughs) Yeah. Like if you look at some of the numbers, like the isolation numbers, they're still up there. Like I mean, yeah. Who, like, who else are you gonna run the offense to? Well, know? that's that's what I'm saying. It's like he he's had to return back to the ISO ball that he really didn't. It didn't seem like he wanted to play, but I guess it, it's different when you know that your teammates are coming back. Yeah. Versus just you don't have the team. Um, but it's just I mean, it's not like he got a major injury. It's just yeah, yeah, yeah. He'll be fine. Like, yeah, yeah. Fine. But then again, this kept the KD out for eight weeks. <laughs> <laughs> that's true I just look at the, the number of games they've played so far it's 52 so like 
that's 20 games left on the schedule if I'm not wrong. Yeah, yeah. Unless there are we postponed games because of COVID. Right? Yeah. So we're so close to the playoffs. <laughs> I know. So your question is when will we see the full Nets team together again? This is a kind of a, becoming a concern. It's like they Katie Harden and Kyrie have really only played a handful of games together. Yeah, like the first week after he got traded and that's yeah. Katie went out and Katie went down. Yeah, they have basically they haven't they haven't played with Blake and Aldridge. Yeah, so there's going to be a lot of figuring stuff out with a Six weeks left in the regular season, so that that's a concern for the Nets. They gotta they gotta be careful here. They gotta yeah, not overdo the, it. The fact that they're leading the East currently. Yeah, that's true. And that's still they're still like haven't played together. That's kind of scary. I know, it's scary hours. But you know, <laughs> there's there's such a phenomenon as a di- uh, subtraction by addition. And you, 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 of course, hope that that doesn't happen. But someone, someone, I think it was Chris Broussard, maybe he said that, and not, not that I ever really listened to his opinions, <laughs> but he did say like the Nets, the Nets are going to be playing with strangers. There's something to that. Chemistry would be, the, on, yeah. the on-court chemistry would be interesting. Yeah, see. for sure. So we'll see. We'll see. Um, Is there a right. timetable on Harden? Not that, I, an, not that I know of. Do you have an idea if they will play together soon? No clue, to be honest. They're probably... It just says indefinitely. So, I don't think... Be reevaluated on Tuesday. Damn. Yeah. Yep. So, we'll see. Okay. Is there any other NBA news you want to talk about? Um, Not really. I mean... An, some injuries that happened. Patrick Beverly fractured one of the metacarpals in his hand and he had surgery for it. Oh, I missed that. How long is he? Oh, how long is he out? Three to four weeks. So this may be one thing where I was like, wow, three to four weeks, a relatively quick turnaround. I think he specifically got surgery to speed up his recovery, which is what I would do. That makes sense. Yeah, it sounds like it it would have healed, but it would have taken longer. It's like if you can speed it up by two weeks with the playoffs looming, it's like, yeah, give me the surgery. I want to, I want to play. Yeah, and it's important for the for the Clippers. Exactly, they have to keep it. They need Pat. They need Pat Bev. They need they need him. Rondo's Rondo's been playing well though. (laughs) He has, but see, this is the thing we were talking about last week. So maybe it will be spot on. Spot on on that. <laughs> Playoff Rondo. <laughs> Playoff Rondo. I mean, you know, when he's engaged, I mean, his IQ is still there. It's not like, it's not like all of a sudden he forgot how to play basketball, right? So. Exactly. Yeah. I just, I just needed to see it because there's, there are times when he just goes AWOL and times when he really locks in. I so, mean, he was AWOL in the, in the, on the Hawks and then. Yeah, what, his season his season high with the Hawks was like twelve points or something, and then he <laughs> surpassed it against the Suns yesterday. With the there Clippers. you go. There you go. Oh man! So this week we'll be doing a team of the week segment uh, with a team that's pretty close to our hearts, considering we went to, we went to Boston for college, the Celtics. Mm-hmm. Yes, but they're our team of the week, not for good reasons. Yeah, not 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 for good reasons. Not for uh, good they, reasons. They're underachieving this season. Twenty 
eight and twenty six, if I'm not wrong. Twenty seven, twenty six. Yeah. So they they two games ago they were under five hundred. So they were twenty five and twenty six. They're on a two game winning streak. Yeah. Uh, they're seventh in the East right now. They would be in a play in, which is not what we expected. Brutal. When we started started the season. I mean, we had them what fourth and fifth, I think, respectively. Yes. On yes. On our preseason rankings, but. Yeah, very frustrating season. I mean, when they were 24 and 20, 26 the other day, uh, one of the, some of the Boston media members were calling mm, for Jason mm. Tatum to leave. <laughs> I wouldn't go that far, but... Yeah, no, he wanted attention. I'm convinced. That guy <laughs> wanted attention. Um, what was his name? Let's not give him attention. <laughs> yeah, you're right. You're, no, you're right. You're right. No more attention sure. for him. Um, but... In general, yeah. like Boston media, Boston fans are very frustrated with this team. Yeah. And with good reason, I would say. Good reason. It's been a good very, reason. very tough season. Uh, no question. Guess, what, what are your thoughts on the Celtics season so far? <laughs> I mean, you hit, the, you hit the nail on the head right there. Very, it's disappointing. And it's to the point where, you know, usually I watch the Celtics the most in any given NBA season. It's not the case this year. It there are times when it's painful to watch, um, but here's the thing: like there are times when it's really good. Um, their game against Minnesota last night it was exciting, although they they're having first a half tough time. Not, no, it wasn't. first half fun to watch. <laughs> no, it wasn't. But the second half going into overtime was pretty fun. Um, I mean, I guess it was an exciting game more than watching the Celtics themselves. But the Celtics' offense actually was firing on – and not firing on all cylinders, but they were pretty good last night. And yeah. they had a tough time guarding Cat, but everyone has a tough time guarding Cat. Like, he's, he is an excellent player that needs to escape Minnesota. Um, but I'm not going to go – You don't believe in the young core of the Wolves? <laughs> no, I, I want Cat to be on a different team. But that's, that's – um, I'm not going to get too much spiel about Cat, but back to the Celtics. So there are, there are a couple of things that I'm, I am concerned about that I guess we're going to talk about today. So um, should we dive into it? Yeah. Um, yeah. Let's start, with, let's start with the Celtics offense. So this has actually been – getting better. They, it hasn't started off well. So currently their offensive rating, I'll just give some relevant statistics first. Um, 113.9 offensive rating, which ranks 12th in the league. That's plus 1.9 from average. So mm-hmm. not bad. Um, not great, but not bad. They're still 11th in effective field goal percentage in the league, but they're 23rd in free throw rate in terms of free throws for field goals attempted. Yep. They're 22nd in the league in the number of field goals attempted as layups. So only about a fourth of their field goal attempts are layups. And that's going to be a theme here. And they're fourth in offensive rebounding, which I didn't realize. So that's interesting. That's the Tristan Thompson effect. Yeah. <laughs> Although he's been, he missed a lot of games, though. So that's not all He did. Years. So some, some of that, too, was... It's still Robert Williams. Some of that was Daniel Tice before they got rid of him. Yeah. It was a good offensive rebounding team. But I think I think the, the larger issue with their offense that 
there is a concern is that they do not have um they, they don't have a good way to attack the basket they don't have a player that gets downhill all the time there's no rib pressure yeah i mean basically that's that's been a problem with like the even the brad steven teams in general right i mean even when they had Kyrie and well, actually, you know that's more free throws than getting to the rim because those guys could get to the rim but this team does, doesn't yeah. so it was not a problem with, with healthy isaiah thomas it wasn't a problem as much of a problem with a locked in Kyrie Irving, but yeah. you didn't always get a locked in Kyrie Irving. Yeah. Or a healthy Kyrie Irving even. Um, but yeah, it, it just like, because there's no rim pressure, I, it just doesn't feel like they have a lot of ways to get the defense to rotate. That kind of seems like a, a common theme with why they've had some offensive struggles, although their offensive rating isn't that bad. I still see that as a problem because Kemba Walker is ideally the guy that fills that role. And he was doing a good job of it last year, but then he's... He hasn't been good this year. I think he hasn't that's been a big healthy. reason. Exactly. He hasn't been healthy. He hasn't been consistent. He, he, I will say that he is getting better every, every day. You know, It just takes time for that to happen. He's still finding his groove, but... You know, he's had good games, and when they when he's yeah. played well, the Celtics have won. I think they had what there was one game where I think against the Bucks where he played well and they won, right? Something yeah, like I I vaguely remember someone putting a statistic during one of the games I watched where Kemba Walker scores a certain amount of points and and the Celtics have a crazy winning record, and that I don't think that's a that's not a coincidence. That's because yeah. he is the, he is really the guy who can get downhill force the defense into rotation from his rim pressure. And I think that's something that the Celtics have been missing, you know, um, because without that, they become extremely reliant on individual isolation play and a lot yes. of pull-up mid-range jump shots, which granted the Jays are great at. They're really good at it, yeah. Yeah, but that's, that is going to be something that hampers because if there's a difference between – hitting that, like having to take those pull-up shots because you have to and have no other option versus it's A option. It's a counter yeah. rather than plan A. Does that make sense? Yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, that's what I noticed as well. Like, especially when they go into isolations, the Jays tend to like, especially Tatum, I've, he might settle some, a, a bit too much for my liking to like that step back mm-hmm. that he loves. Um, yeah. Or like I guess in, in Brown's case is the pull up, but I guess when they when they do make the quick decisions to to attack the baskets, that's more that's like I guess more ideal for the Celtics team. But don't want to blame yeah. so much those two because no. it's pretty much like when they're both off the floor, it's the offense doesn't look as yeah. Good, yeah. doesn't look very good. So yeah, they they're basically their two main scores for the most majority of the season with Kemba missing games and. I guess right. besides besides Kemba, like there's no one really on the roster who no, is that's a true. dangerous scorer yeah. until Fournier, who's just, who was just traded. Yeah, well, to your point about you know not assigning a lot of blame on Tatum and Brown, I agree that they're they're the two that's keeping them afloat. But I've I've kind of noticed they're like you said when they make the quick decisions, and last night was great evidence of that when they are making quick decisions to attack when they are making quick decisions to take a shot or, you know, force the defense to 
to put pressure on the defense, that's when they and the Celtics are best, but they don't always do that. You know, I yeah. think there was a great example of what I saw last night was um, Tatum. I, th- I think it was Kimball Walker who collapsed the defense. Um, and so the, oh no, this is during the Knicks game. Mm. On, the, on the left-hand side, Kimball Walker or Jalen Brown collapsed the defense, kicks it to Tatum, and instead of either taking the, the catch and shoot three or just attacking off the dribble with a swing through, he puts the ball and his defender is coming towards his left side. He puts the ball in, in his left hand and takes a dribble towards the left. So going into the defender when he could have taken a one dribble pull up going to the right for a right. mid-range, that would have been a good shot, like an uncontested shot. But because he did that, um, the help defender was able to recover to his man. So the defense was in rotation, but because of that, that mistake in the dribble, yeah. in the move, the defense yeah. recovered. Not for, not for a good, not because it was a good defensive possession, but because Tatum made a mistake. Tatum and yeah. Brown both make those mistakes. And that's costly. Yeah, I definitely, because, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, definitely catch that. Because if they, if, if they play Miami, Philly, Milwaukee in the first round, they're, they're, they're not, not going to score. Those yeah, exactly. They're not going to score. That was, their, well. that was their problem last year. <laughs> exactly. Now, some of the arguments can be, well, Brown and Tatum are so good at mid-range pull-ups and they make hard shots all year. Those are the shots that defenses are going to ask them to take. And because they've been doing it all year, they're going to be more resilient. And some of that I agree with, but there, there are other things. There are other issues with their offense that I just don't think that are, that they can overcome. Yeah. No. Um, I guess what else do you think besides them? Like not, what other issues do you see then with that, with their offense besides those two guys? Not necessarily. Yeah. The ball staying to their hands. Cause I know like that's been the prime yeah. criticism on Twitter. Like Jason Tatum is a ball hog. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. Like that. yeah. I've seen that too, but here's the thing. So one of my other problems is that the offensive sets are, they're pretty basic. They're not, they're not crazy, you know, um, complex and the the offense doesn't really help the players get into good positions to succeed. Um, They run a lot of dribble handoffs trying to go into the middle of the floor, but you know, sometimes it doesn't really amount to anything. It's just wasted time. It's just wasted movement. I I remember watching that Philly (coughs) game a couple days ago and they did that specific like dribble handoff into the middle of the floor that started Four straight possessions, and it kind of went nowhere. And not that that always has to create downhill pressure, but it has to lead into something else. If you're just doing it to do it, that's a waste of time. You've taken off three seconds off the clock. But the interesting thing about that play is that I think they did this. They had a similar stretch in that Knicks game, the game after the, the, yeah. the Philly game, where they, they went on a 10 0 run yeah. based on the, that play. <laughs> yeah, no, the, and they had that on versus the. Um, the Wolves last night too, that specific mm. play. It, it, it just, I don't have a good answer for why it doesn't always work other than sometimes the, the guys involved in that play need to be aggressive 
Or they need to have a better understanding of, you know, if that's plan A, they need to fluidly move to plan B. So this is, this is kind of where I'm going. It's like, if that's plan A, yeah, it's not expected. It's going to always work because if teams know that that's coming, they can, you know, a good point of attack defender can blow up that first action. Yeah. Just guys like Marcus Smart can do that. Some guys on the the Celtics enough. I know. But I'm just saying, like <laughs> guys who are good point of attack defenders can blow up that first action by themselves. But it becomes like when you have to move to plan B, it's not always fluid. There's always like a beat or two before they move on to the next thing. So the defense can figure it out and recover. That extra beat and if this goes it's not back to quick it, enough. Exactly. The quick decision making you were talking about earlier. It's very disjointed. So the, it becomes they become much more reliant on individual talent rather than the offense working for them right yeah this is why this is why the celtics tend to do better in the playoffs because yeah during the regular season the offense can be rather rough but that it's gonna look exactly the same in the playoffs tatum and brown are gonna get the exact same shots that they've been getting do you think uh a lot lot of like podcasts i listen to say that they are missing like a playmaker um and i think and saying that Robert Williams playing more will help that a bit. I mean, yeah. I've seen he's shown flashes on the, yeah. the short roll. Yeah. Uh, same with Fournier. Um, do you mm-hmm. think that those like the trades they made at the, the, the deadline will help these issues of like not as more quicker decision making, better playmaking yes. offense overall? Yes. So I, I actually have that as my next note. So I'm glad we're <laughs> uh, we're in sync with that. Um, but. This is, this is something that the Celtics have been missing since they lost Gordon Hayward. I mean, yes. it, like the quick decision playmaking, like he was good. He could create for himself off the ball. On the spot up, he was very quick. Like he knew he was very good at um, starting to get downhill before he caught the ball. I just don't see Tatum or Brown being that good at that. They're not. So losing Hayward, who's another guy who can create that stuff for them and make those quick decisions, they've been missing. They've been missing that because if the ball sticks, that extra beat helps the defense recover. And yeah. that's what this is why I thought that the Evan Fournier, um, the Evan Fournier pickup was so huge for them. They really needed a guy like that, another guy who could put the ball on the floor and create a shot. Again, the Celtics are pretty reliant on individu- individuals, individual mm-hmm. talents. Um, so I think, I think like, I like the Evan Fournier thing, but one, one thing I would like Brad to do a little more, um, well, two things, one, have some sets where you get Tatum and Brown off the ball, get moving, get cutting to the basket or on an off ball screen. Now that you have Robert Williams, who can somewhat pass, I think Mm. that now that's a more feasible option for you, but two, have them do some some more elbow mid post action. You have two great isolation scores. Just let them have one side of the floor. Let them let them work it, especially in late clock situations. I feel like that'll it's it'll be good for them. It'll be good for the Celtics. What are your thoughts on on that? It'll be interesting if we see a lot more elbow isos for yeah for Brown and Tatum. I do. I do want them to feed 
I, they they definitely feed Tatum when he's going a lot. The yes, yeah. Case in point yesterday. Uh, one thing I did notice is sometimes when Brown is going, they don't feed him as much. Like they don't feed the hot hand, so to speak. Yeah, Brown. yeah, that's fair. Uh, so maybe a, little, a few more plays like that that you're saying. Just get them on the ISO or run more yeah. plays for for Brown. For sure. Um, yeah, I think that was that was that happened the Sixers game. Brown had like a good first quarter, but then. Yeah. Didn't shoot much the next two quarters. <laughs> yep. It's quite <Yep>. confusing. <laughs> <laughs> for sure. For sure. Um, all right. So um, one last criticism of the players um, that I will make before I have a couple of bright spots that I'd like to talk about. Because the thing is, like, their offense has been better lately. So um, yeah. they lead the league in a new stat that I've created. It's called. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah. Um, it's called dumbass unnecessary behind the back passes. <laughs> it's my, okay. This is my analytics brain right here. Dumbass unnecessary behind the back passes. They lead the league in that. Even in the Wolves <laughs> game last night, Tatum did one. Smart did it twice. That's like three field goals <laughs> that they left on the board because they threw a dumbass behind the back pass that either ended up as a turnover or was so poorly executed that the defender was able to recover and took away a wide open corner three. <laughs> like I saw, yeah, I, I noticed one in the Knicks game. <laughs> there was one in the Knicks game. I'm just talking about the Wolves game. Yeah. <laughs> there were some in the Knicks game. There was at least one in the Philly game. <laughs> so they lead the league in dumbass unnecessary behind the back passes. That's, a, that's an important stat. D U B T P B T B P. Are you gonna post that stat on our publish that stat on our website? Yeah, I'm writing an article about it. <laughs> on the, the for that. <laughs> dumbass unnecessary behind the back passes. Um, <laughs> but I mean, like, in, in all seriousness, that's a problem. You can't you can't do that shit because. It helps the defense. It's a simple fix. Like, and if you're going to keep doing that, because there are times when a behind-the-back pass is the quickest way to deliver it, you got to practice it. Yeah, I don't clearly, think they, they, clearly they don't. Yeah, I don't think they practice. Like, Luka Doncic is pretty famous for throwing this pass, as is James Harden. You don't yeah. think they practice that? I'm pretty sure they do that in practice all the time. Yeah, like in their I've workouts. You definitely see Harden in the pick, like those summer pickup clips. He, he does it there it. all the time. Yeah, he practices it. It's a skill because if you get that delivery correct, the defense doesn't expect it, and if you it's accurate, that's the quickest way without revealing your hand. So I'm not gonna say it's a bad pass. It's a bad pass if you can't do it. Harden and yeah. Luca can do it. None of these guys should be doing it. Robert Williams only. Yes, exactly. <laughs> And Peyton Pritchard. <laughs> well, speaking oh, of, of those two, let's talk about some of the bright spots with the Celtics. Time Lord. The Time Lord. He's been great. He's been really good. The, the trade, that was a good, uh, it's paying off so far, trading ties. Yeah, yeah. You know, I, I thought that trading ties was a mistake because I thought he's, really, he's a really good player, but... Time Lord really has been pretty good, you know, so I understood it, but 
you know, I guess he was the odd man out. Which yeah, I c- yeah. although with Thompson's return and like Luke Cornett coming out of nowhere, I know, right? Playing well, I, yeah, I'm not yeah. sure. Like, there's another chance where Williams could get buried again, but nah, no, no, no. I think I think they're starting Time Lord now. I think but he is the starting center. Thompson's finishing games though, like the last two, even though he's going yeah. off injury. Yeah. But yeah, because I think like T- Tristan Thompson's a professional. You can tell him like you'll close games for us. And, they're going to need Thompson to be happy because he's going to be guarding Embiid. So that's going to be a big deal. Yeah, they, Thompson didn't play the Sixers game. They have to throw a Taco Fall. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Taco Fall is the GOAT. You shut your mouth. You hey, shut I'm, your I, mouth. He may be the GOAT, but Embiid kind of... Torched him. Yeah, I know. Torched him, yeah. I know, I know. But, hey, the Tacos uh, guarded him as well, right? Yeah, that's true. That's true. <laughs> Um, well, besides Time Lord, Peyton Pritchard still awesome player. I mean, not a fluke. His first not few a weeks. fluke. Not a fluke. Um, he is not playing like a rookie. He's very he's very savvy. He actually has decent reads, and he works very hard uh, on the yeah. defensive end. He's picked up things pretty quick. Pick and roll. He can already run an NBA pick and roll, which is very impressive. I mean, and of course, the shooting. That's the thing that really helps him is that he can shoot. And he's very confident about his ability. He's to very shoot. confident. He very confident. From deep. From deep. <laughs> I think he should pull the reins back on that. But <laughs> I'm okay giving him a green light to shoot, even pull up threes, because he can hit them accurately. Yeah. Um, other bright spots Kemba's looking healthier and healthier, which is That's great. It. They'll need that, as we yeah. were talking about earlier. Yeah, for sure. And I mean, Jalen Brown is a legitimate all-star this year. Like, he's been awesome. He hasn't regressed. Like, you were saying when we talked about earlier in the season that he was like, really high, really, like, probably shooting too well. Um, hasn't, he's regressed hasn't a little. Re- yeah, but little. it's not like it's hampered his production. No, for sure. No doubt. So, he's so, legitimate yeah. all-star. As he's legitimate yeah. all-star. And I, I stand by the fact that he should have started. I stand by that. Yeah. Um, and then Aaron Neesmith has shown flashes of what he could be. He still needs time to develop. But when he's gotten in, he looks pretty good. He just doesn't get, he doesn't get, a, he didn't get a lot of playing time in these this, this nah. games, did he? Yeah. No. Nah. With, you know, some of it is... Uh, is warranted because when he does get in there, he looks, he's kind of like a wide eyed, you know, like, Oh God, what what do I do? Yeah. He has like that rookie energy. So he he needs to like tamper that down and all that stuff. So, but when he, when he is, you know, chill, I'll say chill. He, he looks pretty good. I, I like Mm -hmm. what I see from him. So he just needs some time. Um, How about uh, Romeo Langford? He's looked pretty good too. Um, he started the last. He started the last, last few games. Yeah. I like Langford a little better than Javante Green, so we don't have Javante Green anymore. Yeah, he was traded, right? He yeah. was traded, but he does look better than that. So I'm glad we have Romeo Langford back. Um, so overall, uh, some some things that I I, I noted here, um, they've run. Some small, small, small pick and rolls. Not not smalls, hmm. I guess. If you you can't count a 
a smart pick and roll with Tatum as the role man, small, small, but oh, like wing. If they're playing him at the four, yeah, small ball, small ball lineup. Yeah, because like I, this pick and roll they ran, they ran a Spain pick and roll for Jason. Guess for Jason Tatum, but Smart was a pick and roll ball handler. So Tatum is the guy coming off the initial screen in the paint to set the pick on Marcus Smart. Then he um, he pops over to the to the wing. He gets the ball from Smart, and it's a drive. It's a wide open drive. And like this is something they should keep in the back of their minds. Like that that's gonna keep getting them. It's an organic way to create space and force rotation. And I've seen I've only seen this twice in the games I've watched. I've watched like four games for the Celtics in preparation mm-hmm. for this. I've only seen this twice, where they use Brown and Tatum as screeners. I've never seen it with each other, but I see it with Smart. And it looks pretty good, and there's a chance that it could be. Sounds could be like something. Brad Stevens keeping that in, the, in his back pocket. <laughs> yeah, so that's good. Um, anything else to add on their offense before we move on to their defense? Um, not much. I think it should improve with Fournier getting back and Kemba getting healthier. It will mean less stupid shots for Marcus Smart. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> So uh, we'll we'll get to Marcus Smart in this, I promise. Yeah, I don't know if you saw the Bebo breakdown about the Celtics. Yes, he just, yes. He eviscerated Marcus Smart yes. at the start of the video. Yeah, <laughs> he did. He really did. <laughs> he eviscerated Marcus Smart. Um, I was not expecting that. <laughs> I kind of expected it. Um, <laughs> hey, we'll we'll Coach we'll Nick get does to not him. like Marcus Smart. No. We used to not like Marcus Smart. I like him. Grow on us. He had to grow on us. He's one of my favorite players. He had to grow on us. But yeah. let's so speaking, speaking of, of smart, smart, let's let's talk about the Celtics defense. Yeah. A couple of relevant statistics. They are, their defensive rating is 112.3, which is 18th in the league. They are plus 0.3. So they're slightly worse than average. Um, they are 15th in effective field goal percentage at 59, 53.9 average. Um, it could be far better, but th- this is the thing that really, this is the kicker. They don't create a ton of turnovers, but mm. the free throw rate. Fuck. They're fouling a lot. <laughs> 21.4 free throws per field goal attempts. That's 27th in the league. That's right. simply a lack of discipline. A lot of if, I've I've seen a lot of their their fouls. It's a lack of discipline. Hmm. Inevitably, because of the way Marcus Smart plays, like he's going to try to get some charges, and on that aspect, yeah, in that aspect, it's going to bug the other team. And if you get a a call here and there, it's beneficial, but. Otherwise, it's just lack of <laughs> discipline. It's like guys swinging at the ball, trying to get a steal or a block, not what? being vertical. Curious, curious, what's league average on that stat? Uh, I don't know. <laughs> but they're 27th. That's but they're 27th that's, in that's the bad, league. That's bad. So they're like bottom of the league. So um, a lot of their defensive rating was just initially playing that Thompson and Tice lineup. It just wasn't working. 
So they've gone yeah. away from it, which is good. But there's, there, there have been some miscommunications too. I think there, the, there's been a little bit of an epidemic in the NBA of overhelping. And the Celtics mm-hmm. are still suffering from that, I think. Yeah. They, it's not, it's, there, there are quite a few, like, times where they're scrambling and I guess, oh, and then, what, like, yeah, when they overhelp, then they end up scrambling and then. Right. It's just pump fake and drive or pump fake and open three. Exactly. <laughs> you know? Yeah. But it's like, they're scrambling because of stuff they did. The defense isn't forcing them to do it. Yeah. It, it's like they one thing I started known as like oh why are you helping one pass away on you're giving up a wide open corner three on the same side yeah like, the one the one help the one pass away help has been it's been weird because the Celtics yeah. are normally pretty good about that normally yeah uh, in his, his uh, Brad Stevens teams yeah right? which is and the the reason they've been good at that is because. The thing is, they eat, they do usually have the, that player pretty aggressive one pass away. But yeah. the guys that they're aggressive with are guys like Tatum, guys like Brown, who are very long. They don't fully commit. It's a, it's a dig and recover, exactly. I feel like they're digging, but they're not recovering. No, they really aren't. <laughs> it's almost like they're being told to trap to try to create a turnover, but it just ends up being wide open corner threes. That just, it, you can't give up an efficient shot like that. You just can't. Do you think that's a strategy now from Brad Stevens? I don't know. That's the thing. Like I'm, I'm not a Celtics insider. So I, I don't know what they're working on in practice. I don't know what film they're watching. Well, well I guess they don't have a lot of practice. So maybe, maybe that's it. They just, they aren't getting the reps. If you're not doing shell drills, then you're figuring this out on the fly and that, that can be tough. Well, they, the Celtics have been pretty, I mean, I want to talk about this a bit later, but they've been pretty affected by like missed games and whatnot. This year. Oh, that's, that's true too. That's a really good point to bring up. Like Marcus Smart's been out. Kemba Walker has been out. Tatum and Brown missed games here and there, you know, Tristan Thompson is out as well. Tristan Thompson's been out. Now Evan Fournier is not traveling with them on the road trip. So, you know, consistency has been a, 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 an issue for them. Romeo Langford just came back from his wrist injury. Mm-hmm. Peyton Pritchard missed time from his MCL injury. Like, a ton of these guys have missed, missed time. So, you make a good point. Like, they haven't really ever been healthy this season. Yeah, and, like, I saw this stat about, like, just the COVID protocols in general. The Celtics have the most days. Wow, than, really? Than uh, all the other teams, like, 131 days, player days and protocol. That's yeah. just combined. Yeah. Compared to the second place Dallas Mavericks by 20 days. <laughs> so yeah. they're way they're like they've been affected the most by COVID by by this stat. And wow. Okay. It's, it's, so it showed in their it showed in their play, I think. Yeah. I think it shows up the most on defense just because we we've, we've noted like communication. Communication is one, but it really comes into play when they scram switch. Like I feel like the Celtics have really popularized the scram switch, right? Mm. They do a really good job in normal years of making sure they don't have mismatches. Yeah. Even though they're inevitable, but they've done a really good job of off the ball, switching guys out and not missing anything to prevent rotation. And 
it hasn't been as good this year. They've missed the mark on a couple of them. Um, But, you know, I think that'll come back with time. Again, they need, now with newcomers, they're just going to have to work on that stuff. Um, I think this whole thing of overhelping too is another part where their communication is kind of not there. So the, the most obvious examples I can give are the way they guarded Joel Embiid in the playoffs last year versus how they're guarding him now. And, and granted, Joel Embiid is not the same player. And he's not in the same system. He has a different coach. So we've talked previously about how Embiid, um, on post-ups, he faces up so he can read the defense better, which yeah. is a small adjustment, with a, which has turned into a huge payoff. And so the Celtics... In, in years past have kind of preyed on his lack of playmaking. Yeah. So they, they've never really doubled, but they could have Tatum, Smart, or Brown kind dig, of nearby, dig, 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 and, you know, make him think about what he has to do. Um, but now it seems like they're, they're struggling with it because now whoever Kemba Walker is guarding is the guy that they're going to put with with Embiid on the same side and it's a problem. So they don't, they don't scram switch that when I feel like they could, right? Like if you're going to put Kemba Walker and Danny green, then if I'm doc rivers, I'm like, okay, Danny green, you're going to be on the same side as, as Embiid to get, can't the, really, get an easy can't really shot. Dig and, yeah. yeah, exactly. Cause Kemba can't dig. He's not long enough. He has to fully double team and that leaves guys wide open. So maybe that's just Kemba being, being limited, but, or maybe the Celtics are thinking about it, but they don't want to expose their hand right now. They want to save their hand for the playoffs. Exactly, because they, they could very well play Philly in the first round. Again, yeah, it sucks. <laughs> it would suck. And this is a very different Philly team than last year. So um, having said that, I mean, I feel like those are the two, the two big things, the overhelping, the lack of communication is, is, has been a big deal for them. Oh, and the, and the foul, the fouling too. They just, yeah. they just need to stop fouling. It, it sounds like the, it sounds like these things can be like, I guess, tweaked with the last 20 games of the season or so. I think so but too. Yeah. It's just, they, they need to be all be healthy for it to yeah, be for effective. Yeah, for sure. For sure. Well, now, so some of it, I think some of it will come back. But do you see them having a depth problem? Well, I think definitely the trades that they made in the deadline help. Yeah. Uh, but let me double check the depth chart for the Celtics. Because I know like, that's, been the, that's been a big issue like, with yeah. just watching them throughout the season is that their bench hasn't been really mm-hmm. good. Uh, yeah. Wait, let me pull up their depth chart. Because, I mean, off the top of my head, they're going to start Kemba, Smart, Tatum, Brown. Off the bench, they just got Fournier, and Langford's coming back. They're going to play Pritchard as their backup point guard now. Time Lord uh, and Tristan Thompson as their center rotation with Luke Cornett here and there and Mo Wagner. So I think their depth did get better. Um, So we'll see. Yeah, they should they should play semi less. <laughs> yes, play semi less. Um, 
I'm not a semi-hater. It's just like there are other guys that do stuff better. But – oh, and Grant Williams. They have Grant Williams too. Grant Williams. So, you know, I think their depth is okay. Yeah, their depth is okay. Yeah. So it's not, it's not the best. It's like especially with Fournier off the bench now. Yeah. I think it's decent compared yeah. to before. Yeah. So I guess talking about this out loud, because um, Tatum and Brown's defense has suffered this year. It hasn't been as good. But they've been had to do a lot more heavy lifting. Yeah. Now that Kemba's coming back, maybe he'll take some of the offensive load off of them. Um, and, and Fournier. Fournier. And Fournier. So maybe the defense gets better. So this is something I wanted to look at and looking at their last 10 games. So... Mm. They have their defensive rating has gone down to 109.3, which it's good because it's better. <laughs> yes, in in the last 10 games, they've had the eighth best defensive rating, not 18th, eighth, which is an improvement. Okay. And keep they jumped note, 10 spots. Yeah, now this is just 10 games, but yeah. they've played Milwaukee twice, Philly once, and New York once. <laughs> New York game probably helped that one a lot. <laughs> yeah, you're probably right. <laughs> they didn't have the strongest schedule, but it helps that even versus Milwaukee and Philly, even though they lost to Philly and I think once to Milwaukee. It was good that, that their defensive yeah. rating. They need to kind of keep building on it. A couple of questions I have for you. Um, is Marcus Smart still valuable? No. <laughs> Are we... Or is this coming off of uh, Coach Nick's video? A little bit. Because um, here's the thing. So you and I have been to a ton of Celtics games. where we, When we started as freshmen, we were like, Marcus Smart, what are you doing? That's a terrible shot. <laughs> he's grown on us over time because he's cleaned up the decision-making. He's a pest on the ball. Like, we love what he does. And now yeah. that he can shoot better, I'm okay with him taking jacking up some threes. But I... From watching, sometimes I feel like he's back to for every good play, there's a bad play. I think this year especially, it's been like that. Um, I mean, you can't really deny what Coach Nick was was pointing out in the video. Yeah. Um, but I think it's also just product of like having the ball in his hands more because Kemba's been out and he's been like the main point guard. Yeah. And not having Hayward, too. Hayward would be the yeah. guy who has the ball if it's not Kemba. It would have been Hayward. Yeah. So, I mean, it just makes him make more decisions. <laughs> that, that's possible, too. Marcus Smart, right? But I, I think uh, even then, last year, he wasn't that bad when he had the chance to make the decisions. Yeah, then I don't, I'm not sure what, what happened this year yeah. in regards to that, but... I still think his value is a valuable piece to their team. Yeah, especially they need they need they need him to be. Uh, he For plays sure. such a big role. Yeah, uh, I love his hustle. Like, he still makes the hustle plays. Absolutely, takes charges, uh, grabs loose balls and whatnot. But hundred percent. So, so I'll, let me throw out some statistics here. That mm. some of this will show that Smart is still valuable. But I think like when we watch, there there's something there. So. 3.1 deflections per game. That's 10th in the league. He's 9th in the league in taking charges. Via oh. B-ball index, he has an 80% loose ball recovery rate. He's in the 90th percentile in real turnover rate. Basically, 
it's a stat that D-Ball Index has created to talk about how his presence affects the turnover rate of the team. So he's in the 90th percentile of that, and it's really good. Of course, we know that he's very switchable. A guy 6'4 shouldn't be able to guard LeBron James, but he does. Pretty well as well. (laughs) That's extremely valuable. Yeah. And especially in the playoffs, because you can put smart on one to four and be okay. Very important. And, and another thing, too, is his playmaking has gone up. So five and mm. a half box creation, which is 86th percentile in the league. Not bad. Considering his That's- role, he's a secondary ball handler type of role, which is good. So he creates yeah. five and a half shots for his teammates, which is pretty good, considering he's not one of he's not their offensive one or two or three. That's he does he does run how much pick and roll does he run? I feel like he runs quite a bit. That quite a I don't know. That I don't know. So but from watching the while well, watching our games, he runs yeah. a few, I would say. Yep. So all that said, so that I think yes, I'll agree with you that he is still very valuable, especially come playoff time, because I mean all that defensive stuff is important because he's gonna the real turnover rate, all those stats kind of show the real turnover rate thing where he is going to create havoc on the defensive end. Other teams are going to make mistakes with him on the floor because he's yeah. going to screw things up for you. He's that type of player and he's switchable. So you're never going to have an advantage in terms of increasing your efficiency with him. So that's huge. And come playoff time, that's going to be very important. But I think when I looked at the impact metrics, there's something, it, they kind of tell a story. So, okay. LeBron and Raptor both show that compared to last year, his impact metrics have gone down a smidge. Okay. Right? So, his LeBron right now is 0.5, and his overall Raptor is 2.1. Last year, those values were LeBron was one point something. I can't remember off the top of my head. I don't know why I didn't write it down. One point something. Raptor was 2.9. So he, is, he went from like a legitimate sub-all-star player to coming down to almost average. Right. And I think that it's that decision-making. That, that thing where I, when I watch <clears throat> him, it's like, uh, one play is good, one play is bad, and it flip-flops. I think that the, the impact metrics are catching it. They're catching more of the bad. Like, they see that he's making more bad decisions this year. Yeah. So I think that this is where the stats and the eye test kind of, you know, come together. And it's like, okay, I think there, there's something here. Like my, my eye test is, is telling me that maybe Marcus Smart's decision-making hasn't been all there. Yeah. And it's reflecting in his play. What are your thoughts? That's interesting that it, it went down sig- significantly. What you said, point from one point something to point five. Yeah. Or which one was it, Raptor, or was for, it for LeBron? Yeah. That's actually that's a pretty big dip. It's a good me. it's a good dip. Yeah. Um, and and Raptor, he went from two point nine to two point one, oh. or two point two, so he, the, the numbers have gone down. I thought that was an interesting thing to look at. <laughs> yeah, I mean it. Kind of shows, I guess, that the stats can can reflect what's there. But you, again, it's good that you like for the for the nerd, the, the analytics nerds here. It's you gotta watch first <laughs> before looking at the stats. Well, yeah, yeah. I mean, 
it's good that you can kind of put those conclusions together. So yeah. I think if he cleans some things up, some of his decisions, it, it, he's going to be good for the Celtics. And I think when come playoff time, he's still valuable. Yeah. But having said that, if this continues, then I used to say like Marcus Smart is nearly untouchable. <laughs> I'm, I'm not, I'm, I don't have that hard line anymore. It's like, okay, I still want something good because Marcus Smart's a good player, but I'm like, okay, I, I could see giving him up a little more. In that, in that case, uh, I know he was in the Celtics when they're running for Aaron Gordon. And I believe they asked, according to the reports, they asked for Marcus Smart along with some other stuff, I guess. Would you mm-hmm. have done that trade instead of getting Fournier? For Aaron Gordon, no. I'm trying to think how it would fit on the Celtics as well. The, defensively, it would have been fine. It's the offense. I thought Fournier can create his own shots, and because their offensive system is more reliant on individual play, mm-hmm. Gordon, Gordon is in a great spot in Denver because Jokic is going to create a lot of his shots and find him on his cuts. Yeah. Gordon's not going to have that in Boston. He would have been worse, I think, offensively. It would have been hard. It would have been like pretty similar to the Magic and like not really changing much for the Celtics. Exactly. So I think, I think not giving up Smart was the right move for that situation. Yeah. I'm not saying that every situation, similar situation, I would say, no, don't give up Marcus Smart. I think because it, it was Aaron Gordon, I would have said, no. I don't think he fits well enough and then you're going to give up an important really player. player. Exactly. Um, another question I have for you. I think, I think this will be a quick one. Should they trade one of the Jays? Fuck no. There you go. <laughs> I, wanted go ask, I, wanted, I wanted to ask you this as well. Like, yeah, it's fucking there, stupid. There are some people who are saying you can't. Yeah, no, I've trade seen one it. of them? Like, come yeah. on, man. I think I remember I saw you get in a Twitter spat with someone. Um, and I was like all on your side. I was, he was just like, you can't play two wings. And expect and it to be fine. around two-way superstars. Yeah. And then, and then your argument was great. It's like, uh, Jordan and Pippen. <laughs> and then he, the, his response was, fun fact, Jordan was a guard and Pippen was a wing. And I was like, okay, Jalen Brown is a guard. Tatum is a wing. It's, yeah, I was like, after, after I got that reply, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm not going to bother with this guy anymore. Yeah, good. <laughs> Which I'm glad you. I almost want you to reply that one more time and then see what happens. But um, you have much more self control than I do. But yeah, no, I think it's a it's it's dumb. It's fucking dumb. Yeah, I mean oh, they fit. Way, I don't. How do they not fit? Two like, way wings don't grow on trees, man. Yeah, exactly. Especially two guys that two every <laughs> year they get better. They're 24 and 22, and they've been to the conference finals twice. You don't get that very often. Didn't Brown get there the first year as well? His first year? Yeah. Yeah. Dang. <laughs> you, don't, you don't get that. You're not going to get guys like that. So if you're going to trade them, you better get the biggest fucking haul in your life. If you're not getting guys like, Get another superstar for them, yeah. Like, if you're trading one of those guys, you better get John Morant. You better get, I don't know who else, but you, the Aaron Fox. You better get that caliber player. 
another Zion. all-star player. <laughs> Zion. Like, or 21 draft picks. Yeah. You know what um, I mean? It's just, but on the surface, they fit. They, they fit. I don't like never, never trade one of them. I, I Dumb. Not in the, okay. Never. <laughs> Let's move on. Cause I, I knew that one would be quick. Okay. Oh, My last question for you. Is Brad Stevens a good coach? Uh, I, we're just getting all the criticisms of, of Celtic. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. yeah. I wanted to do this. This is good. Um, yes. <laughs> yeah. Okay. Follow-up question. <laughs> is he a great coach? Um, how many players would you pick before you pick Brad Stevens? <laughs> there, wasn't there, that, was a, that was a tweet by um, one of the Celtics media before. Oh, yeah. That was dumb. It's like, <laughs> how player, many players? players versus coaches. Like, that's, you don't have to pick between them. Pick both of them. <laughs> There's no player you'd pick over a coach, I think. No one's ever asked, would you rather have Tim Duncan or Greg Popovich? Exactly. But I, the thing, hmm, I guess we haven't had it. He definitely uh, lifts, like, I mean, helps Rosses overachieve. So that makes him a good coach. I wouldn't, I guess we haven't had a chance to see him be a great coach because he hasn't brought a great yeah. team to. Yeah. Led a great team. I guess he had a chance with the Kyrie Irving Celtics, and that just went to shit. But I think we blame Kyrie more than the coach on that Stevens. one. Right? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so I guess he hasn't had a chance to show he's a great coach, so to speak. Yeah. If yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm For sure. considering great coaches as like championship level. Yeah, that, that's um, that's where I was. That's where my head's at too. He and definitely has the potential, though. He does because he, he definitely has like the excess of the nose, pretty down yeah. pat. It's no doubt. Here's the thing, like, I know everyone criticizes him for certain things, but I don't know if all of it's warranted because you have to remember when he helped lead a team with Jason Tatum as a 19-year-old, they were, what, six points away from the NBA Finals against LeBron James Cleveland Cavaliers. Yeah. How many other coaches can do that? They should have lost like a few series as well. I mean, they went to seven against the Bucks that year. Yeah, yeah. So and those are rookie Brown and Tatum. Yeah. Yeah, I just feel like there's a little bit of a bias there. Yeah, there are things that I think Brad Stevens can do better. Like his offensive sets aren't the best, but his defensive mind is so great. I mean, the scram, the scram switching. I don't know how mm -hmm. you get twenty three year olds. To execute that well, twenty-three-year-olds. I feel like, I feel like he, he, they, the Celtics were like the first team to do this, like a lot. A lot, yes, exactly. They, I don't, they weren't the first to do it, but he popularized it. Yeah, for sure. So, uh, and everyone steals his A2Os. <laughs> there you go, and that's another thing. His after timeout plays are some of the best in the league. So. I agree. I'm, I'm with you. He's a very, very good coach, but we don't know if he's great yet. We also have to understand there are players in the NBA older than him. Yeah, he's pretty young. And he's only what? He's late 30s. LeBron's older than him. That's crazy. Right? So we can't, we can't expect him to be like, 
I think a lot of people are like championship contention or bust. And it's like, well, there's a lot of in between there. The Celtics were a championship contender last year. They were pretty good. They could have made it. They could have made the finals. Do you agree that that was their best shot to make the finals last year? No. Like, no. I mean, this year, like, considering how much better the East is this year, I guess. It's... Yeah. But the thing is, like, Tatum and Brown haven't hit their peak yet. So what do we mean by this is their, so this, was... that was their best chance? Brown's 24. Really, players peak at around 27. Who knows what the league is going to look like in three years? That's true. <laughs> All the player movement that could yeah. change in like one or two off seasons. Exactly. So you, you never know. Compared to if you're, we're comparing this year to last year, it's like, yeah, sure. I mean, our chances of making the finals are far less. Not only because the other teams are better, but our team is worse. Yeah. So I get that aspect of it. But you can't say what the league's gonna look like in three years. I don't even know what the look like the league's gonna look like next year. So yeah. um I think that but I think that there is a big bias against Brad Stevens. Um for two swung reasons. the other way. It swung the other way. Like two years yeah. ago or three years ago, he was like Yeah. The best coach since whoever, yeah. since yeah. An hour back, but now he's like... I, yeah, for sure. <laughs> I, I think he gets a lot of criticism, partly for that having to stick through that Tice-Thompson lineup. I criticize him for that too. I just didn't like it. But he, he's gone away from it, yeah. even before the Tice trade. But the, there's a bias towards him. Like I, I saw a poll on Hardwood Amino, and someone was asked the question, what has been the best coached series you've ever seen? And oh, someone, the- someone commented, and several people liked, I refuse to believe that the Raptors-Celtics series last year is the answer. I refuse to believe it. And I was like, but why? But why do you refuse to believe it? I don't understand. If that's it, that's it. Like, well, I, don't, I don't know if that is, but that's up there. I mean, it's probably, we, we definitely have recency bias on that, but I don't, like, I can't think. Exactly. Of- right? Like, <laughs> We'd, we'd have to like dive into mind. the tape, but why do you refuse? But that's the point. It's like that word choice. And I asked him in the comment, why do you refuse to believe that that's the case? Everyone knows Nick Nurse is a great coach, and, but I feel like he gets a bigger boost for his stuff because he won a title. But he also have to remember, he had Kawhi Leonard on his team. Did he get, did he never give had a counter? Did he give a counter, counter example? Nope. No counter. No, no response. And so I was just like, there's clearly a bias towards Brad Stevens that I don't, I don't think is warranted. I guess it's just he's been there so long and they're expecting him to do well. But it's hard to expect someone whose best players are 24 and 22 to win yeah, a title. Is- it doesn't happen. It n- has never happened in the NBA. Yeah, I think we're far, we're far from like a Brett Brown situation where this, we're just tired of <laughs> it's clearly not working for the team. But he's, Brad Stevens' stuff still works for this team, I think. Yeah. It's been a tough year since they didn't have training camp. They have very few practices. Exactly. So, yep. manifesting that on the court. And they've lost a lot of games through, uh, lost a lot of players through COVID. I think it's just that simple yeah. for that. For sure. For sure. From that perspective. I guess we can just end our end the segment with um, the outlook for the Celtics for the rest of the season. And I guess ah, yeah, of course. How could we forget? Their, play, their playoff How could chances. we forget? How could we forget? 
Um, what do you, what I mean, do you think their playoff chances are? I'm looking at the schedule. They're eight. They're seventh right now in the East. So they'd have to like, but they're only like what? They have the same number of wins as the fourth place Hawks. <laughs> okay. So, so they're, they not, could... they're, they're not far off from yeah. fourth. Yeah. They're what? A game back. There's still a chance they reach the fourth seed. I don't yeah. think they can catch the third. Nah, probably not. Um, they got they got to shape up a little bit, but yeah. Yeah. I mean, th- this next week is going to be pretty important because they're playing the Nuggets, the Blazers, the Lakers, and the Warriors. <laughs> Yeah. Oof. So those are all okay. pretty good teams. Okay. Um, even though the Lakers don't have LeBron 80, they're still, they're still pretty good. Yeah. But they got to um, capitalize on some wins for sure. Yeah. It's now or huge. never. Uh, if they can somehow, if they can still reach the fourth or fifth seed, because then, then they avoid uh, Brooklyn, Philly, and Milwaukee. And somehow Miami stays in sixth. <laughs> If they can avoid those four teams, they'll, they'll make, they have a that's great chance be, to get a first round. That's going to be tough because I don't know if they can escape the first round this year. Like in that scenario, sure. But man, that's a, probably, that's a lot of ifs. There's a lot, lot of ifs. ifs. <laughs> like the Celtics, yeah. the Celtics have to reach the fourth or fifth spot and the Heat have to stay in sixth. That's yeah. Because <laughs> after, you know, Philly, Milwaukee, Miami and Brooklyn. This I I wouldn't definitely call the Celtics the best team there. I think they are, but man, they could lose to Charlotte. They could lose to New York. I think if they play Atlanta, they'll be fine. But Charlotte and especially New York has a chance. And yeah, you know, exactly. but but there's a solid chance that they play one of those top four teams, and I, it's not feeling good. And if they play, if they have to go through the play-in tournament, there's a chance they get knocked off. It only takes one bad shooting night. As we saw in the March Madness, March Madness, one good shooting. That's, that's the appeal of March Madness, right? <laughs> so one bad, one bad shooting night, and you're out. You're gone. You don't play the playoffs. That's kind of exactly. scary. <laughs> so, so I think uh, they have the upside to get out of the. I think they still get out of the play-in. I, I want to believe that. <laughs> I want to believe that. But, yeah. I, I think they reach... They probably reach fifth, in my opinion. And get, if they play the Heat, they're out. <laughs> they're, yeah. they're, one, they're one round out more like... I don't, I don't think they beat the top, those top four teams in a four-game series. Or a seven-game series. And that was our latest episode. Got a couple questions for you here. Is Marcus Smart still valuable to the Celtics? Do you think the Celtics should trade one of the Jays? Fuck no. Yep. Is Brad Stevens a good coach? Is he? Is he? <laughs> yeah, he is. I think he is. Um, let us know your thoughts on our socials, on Twitter and on Instagram. We are at Got Next Blog. No caps, no spaces. Let me know on Hardwood Amino as well, the basketball social media app. On there, my name is Rafael with the Filipino flag next to it. That's spelled R-A-F-A-E-L because... B-H is stupid! <laughs> <laughs> yep, let, hit us up on our socials. Let us know your thoughts. Who's got next? Do the Celtics got next? Ubuntu! Ubuntu! Ubuntu!